Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is Denise. You are listening to Speak Now Pro Wrestling here on F4W Online. It is February 8th, 2023, and we are here to talk about AEW Dynamite and what a night it was here today. It was kind of a complex night because everything um, not top to bottom, but everything top to almost bottom was absolutely extraordinary, especially we got a couple of matches that were really, really worthy of being uh, pay-per-view caliber matches. Uh, we even got one match that I ended up liking even more um, than last week's Samoa Joe Darby Allen match. And if you guys were here to listen to me talk about that, you guys know how much I liked that match. And there was a match that I ended up liking even more than that here tonight. It was a loaded night of action that left everybody, um, for the most part, feeling good about all of the wrestling that we got. However, there was a decision that occurred at the end of the show that I think left people based on what we saw with the crowd and the arena left people kind of going, what the hell is going on? And they really just did this. So uh, we're going to be talking about all of that and more here today. But first and foremost, I want to thank you guys all so much for being here. Uh, this is my favorite show to do this week uh, because there's just so much to talk about. Uh, we will get into it all here today, but I'm going to kick things off with our super chats. And the first one we got here is from uh, Hannah Hewn. Thank you so much to Hannah who says, uh, I feel like if the acclaimed were going to lose and like that, the match shouldn't have been the main event. Thoughts? All right. So you know what? I was going to save this till the end of the show, but I feel like this is the thing people want to talk about first and foremost. So we'll talk about uh, the acclaimed starting now. Um, so I'm just going to change the order up really quickly of this show. So let's talk about it, guys. The main event. So first of all, you guys should know, if you didn't watch AEW today, uh, you should know that this crowd, this El Paso crowd, was absolutely phenomenal tonight. They were freaking going nuts. We'll talk more about them throughout the entire show. But just know that they were hot the entire night. Okay, so we got the acclaimed versus the guns for the AEW tag team titles. And there was, I think we had some speculation I don't know. So the way that I was thinking this was going to go down was given that it was the main event, I had two different thoughts going into this. I thought, well, you know what? It is the main event for the AW tag team titles. And, you know, it's not, we don't get to see the acclaimed that often. And in terms of like defending their titles, this has been a big storyline for the most part. This has been a major storyline, right? So I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's the reason it's going to be the main event, but Last week, and we talked about this last week, where last week I kind of felt that it was kind of obvious that, well, I thought it was obvious last week that maybe just maybe we were going to be seeing Billy Gunn turn on the acclaim to essentially help out the guns and get the win. Uh, and so even though Billy Gunn didn't actually turn on the acclaimed here tonight. We did see uh, brand new tag team champions. And I almost feel like we might have, ex we didn't expect one or the either. I think if we were expecting to see the guns become tag team champions, we were expecting to see it because Billy Gunn essentially screwed the acclaimed. That's, I think, what most of us probably thought was going to happen if the acclaimed ended up getting screwed. I figured that would be the manner in which they did it, but they didn't go about it that way at all. So instead, we do get a moment during this match where the referee gets knocked out. And so, uh, you know, the ref is gone for a bit. And during this, uh, the acclaimed... 
the guns decide that they want to cheat. They want to use the championship belts to, you know, to hit the acclaims and get the win. But instead, um, Billy Gunn makes his way out there and he's basically, you know, stopping them from cheating and using the belt during this. And during this moment, I started thinking, oh my God, is this it? Like, is this the moment where Billy Gunn is going to turn on the acclaim? Is this going to be a swerve? I think a lot of us maybe thought he was going to come out and pretend that he was stopping them, but in reality, maybe he was going to help them. But then instead he ends up getting knocked out by his own son with the belt, Colton. Colton goes in and hits him with the uh, championship belt and knocks out Billy Gunn there for a hot second. We do get a little bit more, more, um, you know, action. We see the claim hit the mic drop, but the referee is still out. Finally, um, you know, by the time we end up getting the, um, the, the guns, they end up cheating. They end up using the belt. And by this time, the referee is back up. He counts the three. We get brand new tag team titles. Uh, Anthony Bowens is the one to get pinned here. And uh, he's completely knocked out after the shot with the championship bout. And just like that, we have brand new tag team champions. And let me tell you, the reaction from the crowd in the beginning was just no, there was no, there was no reaction in the beginning. In the beginning, people were just kind of silent. They were just in shock. There was a shot of this guy, like literally just like this for a good like 30 seconds or whatever. And everybody was kind of like, what the fuck? And I think everybody had a, okay, there's no way they're gonna end the show like this moment. Everybody had that, they were, everybody seemed like they were waiting for something else to happen. Like people were waiting like, okay, what's next? Or, or is this really the way that the show's going to end? And that's kind of how the audience felt that like, that's how they were taking it. And so then this ended up being it guys. This ended up being it. We have new tag team champions. The claim got screwed because the guns cheated and we got new tag team champions. Um, in terms of this being the main event, it didn't feel like. Damn, how do I say this? Okay, so let's say this match, because like I said, the crowd was pretty hot the entire night, really hot the entire night. If they would have put this match in another spot, Yes, the people would have been pissed. They would have been, you know, going crazy or whatever. You know, afterwards, we did see them. We did hear them chant bullshit and this and that. If they would have put this match in another spot for this card, I do think given that the matches that we saw, I do think that the crowd would have defi definitely came back. They would have kept the momentum going. The, the crowd would have, you know, gone home happy in the end but because it was the main event and there was nothing to follow after that it's, you're sending the home the, the crowd home you know sad depressed or whatever angry whatever you want to call it because people were chanting bullshit at the end so it didn't feel like a good way to send people home um maybe this this could have been in a different spot of the night but maybe they wanted to end i don't know maybe they wanted to end things like this and here's the thing like part of me was thinking okay um how are they going to find a way to prolong this and i really did think that the way that they were going to prolong this feud was really just by having billy gunn turn on the acclaim so now my kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen here and I'm not too sure anymore to be honest but kind of right now what my gut feeling for this is is clearly we're bound to see this match at revolution again okay that's that's a given already based on what we saw here tonight that that feels like a very strong given um that we're going to be seeing the acclaimed and um the guns at revolution that feels like what's going to happen but I'm also thinking that 
I don't know, guys. I still have a big feeling about Billy Gunn. I still feel that there might be, I still feel there's a good chance he might turn on the acclaimed. Now, I know we talked about this before where it's like they're hot, they're over, their merch sales are on fire with the scissor me daddy ass and how are you going to give that up? And that's not something you want to give up. But I'm also thinking like, I don't know if there's two options here. They're either going to, you know, go to revolution and have, you know, the claimed win their titles back and call it a day and have them all celebrate with Billy Gunn and move on from there and keep everything as is, or who knows, they might have Billy Gunn, you know, maybe change his mind or even between now and then, who knows, maybe they can do something from now to revolution where like Billy Gunn decides, I don't know, next week that he's disappointed in the acclaimed and he's disappointed Maybe, I don't know. I have a feeling there's something that's going to happen there with Billy Gunn. I don't feel like this is it, but I could be completely wrong. And I kind of do hope I am wrong because I don't want to see the dismantling of the acclaimed with Billy Gunn. Um, but let's see where you guys are at. Let's get some thoughts in here. Let's see what's going on. Because another thing that can be done, and this would kind of suck too, but this could be something. If from now to AW Revolution, we got a couple of weeks if Billy Gunn, let's just say he next week decides he's going to turn on the acclaim or something, and then the whole entire time he's supposedly aligned with the guns, and then come revolution, he's not with the guns, and he's actually was with the acclaim the entire time. I don't know. I'm thinking there's got to be some back and forth going on here. Clearly, that's what they're doing here with the championship belts, but it just feels weird to see the guns as champions. As champions. It, it doesn't feel like... um. If you would have told me, like, hey, Denise, the guns are going to be champions by February 2023, I would be like, really? There's so many other teams that I probably would have seen in that spot. But I think they really just did this to, um, you know, further this story along, clearly. But we got a super chat here from Grapple Geekery who says, uh, the Jericho appreciation and the guns win stunk up the otherwise great night of AEW. Also, I hope the bunny is okay because it looked like that match was cut short. And yeah, that was something that I had been seeing on social media. And we'll talk more about that later. But um, I do agree with you in terms of the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff and the gun stuff was probably the uh, the only thumbs down of the show. Um, but again, if this if the guns match would have been I don't know, because I could say that if it would have been on a different part of the card, I do think it would have bounced. The crowd would have definitely bounced back because of all the other good stuff that we got, especially if they would have sandwiched it between um, the opening match and that match with Brian Danielson and Bruce. But then again, damn, I think people would have still been pretty pissed off because the acclaimed is hot shit, guys. Like the acclaimed is over. One of the number one things that you see from like the crowds, what are you seeing? You're seeing the scissors, the scissor signs. Uh, they had... The, uh, the hottest selling t-shirt when it came out they uh you know got some a great phrase over there's just they've been getting over with everything that they've been doing so you don't want to cut that short but we'll see uh taylor cannon sends in a super chat saying hey denise hope you're having a great day gotta say if that was gonna be the finish to the acclaimed versus the guns i would have opened the show with that also i celebrated my 39th birthday yesterday first of all happy birthday and i'm so glad i hope you had a really nice birthday um 39th birthday uh seriously happy happy birthday um and then in terms of you kind of brought up the same point that someone brought up earlier saying that this should have been on a different spot of the night and not the main event and i truly can't argue it I truly can't argue it. I do think that the El Paso crowd was hot enough to bounce back from it. 
but there still would have been but if it would have been the opener oh i don't know if i would have wanted i don't think it should have been the opener either just because um i think that would have really kind of that would have really gotten the crowd off to a not so great start. You want an opener that's going to get people hot and going. Uh, you don't want an opener that's going to be like, what the, did this just really happen type of thing. But other than that, everything was fantastic today, except for the Jericho appreciations and stuff too. That didn't hit either, but we'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, Sheldon Jackson sends in a super chat saying, man, did the energy leave the building with that main event ending? And it's, Man, it's one of those things where because this crowd was so hot, I almost feel like they got punished. I almost feel like this crowd got punished for being such a good crowd. They were like, hell yeah, you guys are killing it. Here's this terrible ending to the night. And then everybody went from, you know, having some of the best chance of the night to literally just standing there going like, well, what do we do now? Like everybody twiddling their thumbs, you know? Uh, D. Lara sends in a super chat saying, uh, excuse me, saying, El Paso is my hometown and so proud of that crowd. Also, I bet the Spanish rap popped you, Denise. It definitely did. Uh, I forgot to mention it during this recap here, but we had Max Caster bust out some Spanish during this. And this is one of those instances. Now, Spanish speakers, bilingual speakers will know this. So get me what I'm saying when I say that sometimes things are funnier in Spanish and they just don't translate to English in the same way as being funny. Um, some things are funnier in Spanish. Okay. Let me start off by saying that because it, I, I kind of felt when I was translating this on Twitter, I'm like, this is nowhere near like this. This is not funny in English, but it's funny in Spanish. So basically, um, what do you call it? Uh, the Max Caster comes out during this rap and he's, he called the ass boys, uh, he says, mic drop on the culo niños, pendejos con, <laughs> pendejos con huevos pequeños. <laughs> you know, it's funny. At first I was like, okay, I'm just doing a translation. But then as I'm saying this, it just, some things just, some things are funnier in Spanish, but they're also worse in Spanish. Like some bad words sound really ugly in Spanish. Like they sound really bad. And I can't explain it unless you're a bilingual speaker. Like I can't explain it guys, but this was really funny. So, um, Basically, he called them, uh, you know, ass boys. That translates to culo niños, but it's funnier in Spanish to be called a culo niño. And then on top of that, he calls them pendejos, which is, uh, you know, stupid. And uh, con huevos pequeños is essentially uh, small balls, even though huevos is technically eggs, but in Spanish slang, it's used to talk about balls. So you can be like, oh, mis huevos, you know, huevos, and you're talking about your balls. So uh, basically the translation was them telling them that they're stupid ass boys with small balls. So that isn't funny in English, but it hits a lot harder in Spanish, especially because, you know, it comes from Max Caster. And so this was just really funny all across the board. Uh, and we got a lot of really good Spanish stuff throughout the night and we'll talk more about that uh later on on the show but uh overall I did pop for the Spanish rap though and Max Caster freaking nailed it though uh he freaking nailed it because it's hard man think about it like going out there and having to talk in a I don't know I don't I don't know if Max Caster knows any more Spanish than that. I have no idea. But uh, if he doesn't know any more Spanish than this, that could be kind of hard to go out there and be rapping in another language. But uh, I don't know the extent of his, uh, you know, Spanish knowledge. I have no idea. Uh, thank you so much to D. Lara, though, for sending in this super chat as well. Uh, we got another one here from Robert Arsenal, who says, Roosh versus Brian Danielson was the highlight of the night. I'd pay good money to see Roosh versus Walter versus Seamus. Bro, I would pay good money for all 
all of that as well. Uh, thank you so much to Roberto for sending in that super chat too. And uh, we have another one here from Chris who says, the title swap was 100% to keep enough gas in the tank for getting this program to revolution. They're lucky these great performers can get and stay over. Cause that's the thing, you know, but they, that's the thing. Like, I feel like maybe they felt that they definitely needed to do this title change because, you know, clearly the acclaimed were screwed out of what means the most to them, which is those championship belts. So like you said, furthering this program to revolution it was definitely clear because how much more can you do of these you know family therapy segments of this and that the hokey stuff that they were doing while it works does it really keep the program um you know that fired up i don't know now we're going this direction people are pissed we want to see the acclaimed win their titles back We'll see. Uh, thank you. Oh, and you just know the guns are going to be incredibly obnoxious. Oh, that that is the one thing that I can't wait to see, though, is you know they're going to be incredibly ob obnoxious about them winning and holding the tag team titles. And they're going to be so annoying, rubbing it in everyone's face. That's something to look forward to. If that's something you're interested in and want to look forward to, um, that could be something there. Uh, we have Estilo, uh, Estilo Latino who sends in a super chat saying, uh, ask boys as tag champs, TK. Yanila. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so I am. Okay, remember I said some things are funnier in Spanish. Okay, but um, base. I don't even want to translate that in English, but it's funny though. It's funny. It's not bad. It's so uh, basically saying TK Yani Chinga is basically saying like uh, Tony Khan is. Fuck. How would I translate this in English? Um. Basically, when someone someone messes up, someone fucks up, and you're just like, damn, Yanni La Chinga, like, how can he do this? You know, like, he just went there. Why would he do this? I don't know how to properly translate that into English, but um, but it's funny. Uh, thank you to Estillo Latino for sending that in. I appreciate it. And also challenging my uh, translation skills, by the way. They're not great. Brandon Rosen sends in a super chat saying, hey, Denise, long time no chat. AEW was awesome, except for the ending, though. If there was a time that Billy Gunn was going to screw this, claimed it should have been now that was a dropped ball in my opinion see that's the thing as i mentioned earlier if we would have seen billy gunn screw the acclaimed with this during this main event like most of us expected and saw the acclaimed get the um excuse me saw the guns get the win because billy gunn screwed the acclaim then it would be something entirely different but i also kind of feel the reason why they didn't do that is either because maybe they're going to do it later or they're not going to do it at all. I don't know. I don't know if they're either going to do it or they're not. Legitimately no idea what's going on there. I think, again, if we were going to see the titles change, we were mostly expecting it to be at the hands of Billy Gunn screwing the acclaimed. Um, not, not just the gun screwing the acclaimed. Man. All right. Thank you so much to Brandon Rosen for this generous super chat. And thank you so much for uh, being back. All right. And uh, let's see what else we got. Amir F sends in a super chat saying, can you translate, can you translate scissor me daddy ass in Spanish, bruh? No, you did not. No, you did not. Ha um, tijeras, okay. Um, tijera me, okay. It'd be, it would be tijera me, 
pop. I hate talking like this. It just sounds so bad. I don't like saying the word culo. I really don't. I really don't like saying it. I just said it right now. I like it in the terms of when you're doing it in wrestling chants and you're all doing it together and everyone's chanting culero and it's really funny. But I don't speak like that in my normal life. So I think it would be a tijera, tijera me, papa culo. I don't know. I don't know. I, this is so bad. It's not a sentence I would ever translate in Spanish whatsoever. Um, I just know that Spanish speakers are having a great time with this, by the way. Oh, God. Um, Amir F, I'll get back to you. I'll, I'll find out how to properly uh, translate scissor me daddy ass in Spanish. Oh, it sounds really bad. Um, <laughs> okay, everyone is saying tijera me papi culo. That's how you would probably say it. That sounds... That sounds about right. Oh, no. Okay, see, this one sounds bad. Marvin says, tijera me en el culo, papi. That sounds bad. No, I don't think we have to take out en el, because if you add en el culo, it just makes it an entirely different thing, I think. I think it has to be just tijera me, uh, papi culo. There we go. I don't want to circle back to this. Oh, my God. All right. Oof, sweating over here. Darf Steven says, welcome to Rosetta Stone featuring Denise Salcedo. Bro, screw Rosetta Stone. I'm freaking Dora, Dora the Explorer of F4W, man. I'm just out here like, come on, vamanos. Everybody, let's go. Come on, let's get to it. We're going to translate scissor me daddy ass. Man. All right. So... <laughs> I love how everybody's just talking about these translations. All right, so there we go. That's where we're at with the acclaimed and the guns. Did they or did they not drop the ball here? We'll wait and see how it plays out and see what they have planned. Because here's the thing about AEW and Tony Khan and all of this. We don't often get these moments where we feel... There's only been a handful of storylines where I would say, oh, you know what? This sucks. The, the payout, the, the payoff wasn't great. Um, it's been very few and far in between. For the most part, the stories have gone the way that most of us expected it to. Or if there was a swerve, it ended up being an exciting one. They don't tend to drop the ball on these scenarios uh, and these stories. So it's not often that this happens. So I do think that I'm hoping rather that this all pays off in a very nice and entertaining, fulfilling way. You know what? Sometimes you got to try new things. And if this was the new thing, then okay, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to let it play out. God, I, I said it that I said it last week. I hated it last week, but it's a really easy, it's a really easy cop out. It's a really easy way to cop out and just be like, yeah, I'll let it play out. See what happens. But let's just hope that it doesn't suck. But and that felt appropriate because of ass. Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm moving on to this. I've been saying really bad things on this stream. <laughs> moving on from all of this. Um, oh, man. All right, let's, let's get into the good stuff of the show, everyone. Because this, like last week, I said that last week's show really had a lot of really good wrestling. We could have definitely had everybody picking a different favorite match of the night. Mine was definitely Darby and Samoa Joe, but everybody I think could have had a different option for what they thought was match of the night. And I did kind of feel that way about tonight as well. I thought there were three 
really great matches, all of which gave us something different. We had uh, Kanoshke Takeshita and MJF, which was a phenomenal opener. We'll get into that because that pretty much played out um, the entire night. We also got what I thought was match of the night with Roosh and Brian Danielson. And then, of course, we got a really entertaining match with the Elite and Top Flight and AR Fox. I would consider those the three best matches of the night. And I don't know what you guys considered match of the night, but I do have a feeling some of us might be on different uh, avenues here but let's get into the opening one and we're going to talk about everything that surrounded Brian Danielson and MJF here tonight so we opened up the night with the title eliminator match which was MJF versus Kanosuke Takeshita and this was a match that I personally felt you know to uh, I'll start off with MJF. So MJF really, you know, he tends to get the whole thing about, you know, there's people that maybe aren't MJF fans. One of the things that they like to say is that MJF can't wrestle and MJF's not good in the ring and MJF this and this and that. While everyone applauds him for his mic skills, he doesn't get the same admiration in ring wise. And a lot of that is we don't get to see him wrestle that often. However, when he does, he doesn't go out there and bomb. He goes out there and has pretty decent matches. And how there's been some that I really loved, man. Uh, I can go back and talk about that match that he had with Darby Allen. That was a really great match. The match that he had with CM Punk, that was another really great match. Um, and there's so many other different ones that, you know, you can point out and whatnot. But they are because we only see him, you know, wrestle ever so often. So I think sometimes people um, forget or they think that, he can't go or whatever the situation is, whatever the criticism is. Uh, it is a criticism, though, that MJF does get. To me, this match with Takeshita basically kind of proved once again that, yeah, MJF can actually go in the ring. He can go in there and he can have these really good matches. And with Takeshita, it was one of those things where he's somebody that, you know, we started seeing on AEW and he really came in there and instantly was someone that I think people really liked because of everything that he was doing outside of AEW and just someone that people instantly, instantly kind of gravitated towards. However, and he was being featured quite a, like every so often he would come in, have a match and all of those matches were good. And now clearly we're going to get a whole lot more of him. We know this. And so when they announced this match, it was a definitely uh, an interesting matchup because MJF and Takeshita are two totally different uh, wrestlers to totally different types of competitors. So I was curious as to what we were going to get from this match, because again, they're very different. I didn't know what their chemistry was going to be like. I didn't know any of it. And, and so seeing them have this match, first of all, um, in the beginning, literally just with even the beginning with MJF coming out there and the crowd was going nuts. They were doing such a great job of instantly they were chanting culero at MJF, which is asshole for those of you who may not know. They were chanting asshole in Spanish to MJF and it sounds a lot worse and when you say culero than asshole. So just FYI, um, but we got... You know, just a lot of really good energy in that crowd, really good energy. But what we got here was a really nice back and forth between uh, Takeshita and MJF. Like we see uh, Takeshita hit the exploder on MJF. We see him go for a running boot twice. Uh, he goes for a third one, but MJF uh, moves out of the way. We see uh, Takeshita pay some homage to uh, to Eddie Guerrero. Obviously, we're in El Paso, so you know we had to get a moment like that, and it felt really nice because he goes up and he does the little shimmy, and then he does the 
frog splash. So that was a really good moment. Got the crowd really popping for that. Um, later on in this match, we literally see when uh, Takeshita is beating up on MJF, the crowd is literally chanting, you deserve it because he's getting beat up. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and then uh, Takeshita hit a lariat um, to, this was my favorite part. So they're on the top rope. Uh, he ends up hitting like a lariat off the top rope to MJF, but MJF lands on his feet. And then instead he super kicks Takeshita right away. And then from there, we kind of get some back and forth exchanges leading to a rolling elbow from Takeshita to, um, to MJF. And this leads to them both down and out. And the crowd is pretty much erupting at this point. And this all leads, we get some more like back and forth. We see the blue thunder bomb. We see more near falls. We see a really killer uh, knee strike from Takeshita to MJF. Um, this all finally leads to MJF finally getting in the, um, getting in his salt of the uh, salt of the earth. And so he does that. He he locks that in, finally gets the win here. But even after this match is over and even after MJF wins this match, he still goes in on the attack on Takeshita. Takeshita gets busted open with the, dy the, uh, the dynamite diamond ring. He is punching him, going at him. And Takeshita really bleeds a kind of a lot not as much as brian danielson did later but he definitely gets busted open pretty nicely and Br the only reason the beatdown even stopped in the first place was because brian danielson ran out there and pretty much scared off mjf so i thought that this match was freaking phenomenal it was a situation where i think we all won the competitors won in this again to just further improving further proving why he's a name to be excited about and why he should be in there with the big players like MJF. And um, again, like I said, with MJF just proves that he can actually go in the ring for those that maybe doubt him. And so, you know, from here on out, we get so much more surrounding Brian Danielson and uh, Takeshita and MJF and all of this. So later on, we get this backstage interview between Alexi Nair and MJF. Now, we already know that MJF's a really, really good, uh, really good at being an asshole, right? Like, that's his thing. That's what MJF is known for, right? He's known for not being a nice guy. But today's story, today's promo, I think really, really solidified his spot. As, like, commentary said, he was the num he's the biggest scumbag on the earth. And today's promo really made sure he, he took that spot and grabbed it all for himself. So... He's telling us this story about how a man doesn't truly know what he's made of until he's met with adversity. From here, he talks about, you know, this whole story from back in the day. I think it was in high school. He talks about being out with a girl and driving in a car with her. And he's like, I was doing the driving and while she was doing something else. And that's where the picture from MJF came up uh, for today's thumbnail. And for those of you who didn't watch, he basically did a whole thing where she was, um, she was doing things to him in the car. I don't feel comfortable saying that either on here. Damn, today's dynamite is really challenging me on what I'm comfortable saying on the air and what I'm not comfortable saying on the stream. My God. All right. So he alludes to some things being done to him by this girl while they're driving and describes getting in a car accident. Um, and basically, 
basically then says that when this all went down, he swapped seats with her while her body was pretty much like she was knocked out and conscious and this and that she he ended up swapping seats with her so that she could be seen as the driver and he could be seen as the passenger and thus get away and not have to necessarily get in any big or serious trouble. So that was the whole story that he told, but he obviously painted it a lot better than I did. But um, this was such a messed up story because you didn't know where it was really going. Like I had no idea where the story was going, what was happening because, you know, he starts off describing this woman, her name was Liv. And he's like, you know, she was beautiful. She was perfect. This and that. Right. And you're like, where is he going with this story? And then it all leads to this big, really messed up thing where he says that he swapped seats with her essentially so that she could get in trouble and he could, and he did it. So this kind of just further paints MJF as a really big scumbag. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was definitely something of a, uh, that was a story for sure. That was definitely story for sure. So then afterwards, um, we then go into a backstage, um, almost of a promo. You can't really call it a promo. So Renee is then doing an interview with Brian Danielson. Uh, well, she's in the locker room. It's not really, it's not really an interview, but she's there with, with Brian Danielson and, and Takeshita, who's being uh, looked after by the doctor and this and that. So, um, they end up getting locked inside because if you guys recall, MJF basically paid uh, Roosh and, you know, and Jose, the assistant to, um, you know, basically take care of Brian Danielson and make sure that he didn't win tonight. So they lock him in the medical room. And I'm thinking to myself, I hate when we get stuff like this, when someone gets locked in, because we know there's like a hundreds of people. We know there's hundreds of people backstage walking around if you start banging on the door someone is bound to hear that and also there are people watching the show so for me it's not something that I tend to um I don't like little segments like this where someone gets locked in somewhere it's just not believable to me it's not believable to me <laughs> whatsoever so I never buy these like oh this person's gonna get locked in never buy it in fact I hate those little things but whatever that's what they decided to do tonight so you're just there like okay um cool cool how much longer until he actually gets out and we have the match that we're supposed to have so I never actually care for these little lockout things or whatever you want to call them um so Finally, this is leads to Roosh versus Brian Danielson. But before we get the match, MJF comes out, he's limping and he's making it seem like Brian Danielson is not there. Uh, he, Brian Danielson comes out, he's set free because again, there's a hundred people back there. You know, someone's going to open the door. Someone's watching the show and they're going to say, hey man, we got to go open the door for freaking Brian Danielson because he's locked in there and he has a match to do with Roosh. So yeah. Anyways, whatever. So MJF joins commentary. And from here on out, we get what I thought was match of the night. This is the match that um, I have been waiting to see Roosh get this moment, get this type of match, get this type of spotlight. And he got it here. And damn, did he and Brian Danielson really go all the damn way. So I knew, had a feeling this match was going to be good, but this exceeded my expectations a whole lot more. I didn't think it was going to be this good. I really did not. I thought it was going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. Um, this was freaking phenomenal, guys. So I want to talk about the energy of the crowd, too. Um, there was a moment when MJF, before he joined commentary, he goes out there and he says, um, no habla espanol. It was incorrect the way that he said it, which was even funnier. Um, so then 
whatever. We finally get this match. And let's talk about what actually made this match pretty special. So through the start of this match, we had seen, you know, Brian Danielson's shoulder was going to be an issue uh, heading into this match. We already knew that. So uh, Roosh definitely went after that shoulder of Brian Danielson. It was all taped up and whatnot. So he started off by getting him with some stomps. And then several times he was like tossing his body into the barricade, taking really brutal spots um, straight into the barricade. Um I did also like that during this match on commentary, we were seeing Taz and uh, MJF essentially team up on Tony Schiavone and Excalibur, mainly, yeah, Tony Schiavone, mainly on Tony, mainly Tony, because he was saying some stuff to Tony that was pretty funny. Um, But during this, during all of this, where he's uh, tossing the body of Brian Danielson and he's going straight into the barricade, we do see Brian Danielson kind of get busted open. And there's a scene where Roosh literally has all of his blood in his hand and he like literally starts licking it. This is when I think the match got better once they got into the ring, because once they got into the ring, we were seeing um, we were seeing um, headbutts from Roosh to uh, Brian Danielson. We were seeing them exchange chops on the ring apron, just back and forth. Uh, We then um, see Brian Danielson do a dive onto Rush. We see Brian do a really great running drop kick on the outside because he does it from one end of the the ring to the other side uh on the outside though so that was really freaking great because you just see him like really picking up steam go in there gets that drop kick oh it looks phenomenal um finally we see uh some more danielson drop kick off the top rope we see danielson go for the yes kicks instead but because we got the el paso crowd they're chanting c for the kicks instead we've been getting this now uh so we've been getting the c kicks um we get some more back and forth chops between both of these guys and while they're doing the strike exchange Every single time um, Brian Danielson gets a strike in on uh, Roosh, uh, the crowd starts chanting C, but when Roosh does it to Brian Danielson, the crowd chants no. But then my favorite part of all of this, though, was when the crowd started chanting C se puede, but normally that's chanted, <laughs> that would be normally that would be chanted to Roosh. You know, like, si se puede would be aimed at him. But this time it was funny to me because the si se puede chants were actually for Brian Danielson and not for Roosh, which was hilarious. Um, So anyways, we continue this on. We get a brutal knee from Danielson to Roosh. It goes for the pin. It's a near fall. Uh, we see Roosh go back in there for some more headbutts. Um, so, some more actually both Brian and Roosh were both headbutting each other and Taz had a really great line here because he was talking about how you're seeing the bull versus a dragon and it was that little moment too that I really liked so a uh, good thing from Taz for him to say that we finally see them slap each other a little bit more another knee from Danielson and keep in mind that Danielson throughout this is just bleeding buckets man he's got like a crimson mask on you can't even make out his features at all the man is just bleeding to a whole other level um finally we do end up seeing Danielson get the win um but this was a phenomenal phenomenal match I did not do it justice if you did not watch Dynamite tonight please go out of your way to watch Roos and Roosh and Brian Danielson it was that freaking good that believe it or not I liked it more than Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen in a no holds barred match and if you heard my review for that match it almost Almost sounds kind of impossible, but I really appreciated this match for what it was. It was competitive, violence, and um, 
it really just showed um, Rouge in a different light, and we needed that. We definitely needed that for Rouge because I think that this match here kind of put him on a different level here for the AEW roster. Um, if I'm looking at this and I'm looking at you know the performance from him here tonight with Brian Danielson, because it takes two to tangle, man. Um, I'm I'm bumping him up a little bit more on my roster. If that were me, man, I would be like, hell yeah, like. Let's do something a little bit more there with Rouge. So hopefully we do get to see that because this was an incredible match for sure. Um, but this was good stuff. Um, man, I can't, we're still talking about the Tijera, man. Damn, this is still going. <laughs> Holy damn. Um, but anyways... <laughs> Man, this is great stuff, guys. Uh, let's see what people are saying here. Uh, this is from Simeon, who says, Rush is the man and has been showing out now that he's out of Andrade's shadow. Uh, yeah, and we still don't know what's going on with Andrade as of late, so who the hell knows? But everybody here is putting over this match for really for what it was, and that was um, really freaking great. So there you go. There you go. Um, Alexis Please says, Denise, did you like Danielson versus Rush or versus Bandito more? Damn, Alexa's asking the good questions here. Let me take a second. Hold on, because I really liked Bandito Danielson. I'm so happy what that match did for, well, technically, no, it was the match that Bandito had with Jericho that really landed him that opportunity, that ended him that opportunity. But that match with Danielson, frick. Oof. I'm going to go with Bandito. The match with Bandito was still better. Yes. I needed to kind of uh, think about it for a second. And yeah, it, the Bandito match against Danielson was still better than this Roosh match. But damn, I hate saying that because I don't want that to take away from this match with Roosh. Good freaking question, Alexis. Great question, but I'm going to go with Bandito. I'm going to go with Bandito. Although the chat is disagreeing with me, but think and keep about, you may have some recency bias, guys. You may have some recency bias because I almost said Roosh. But then I really had to think about um, that match with Bandito and remember some of those moments there. And that one was really great, too. So that's why I'm going to go with Bandito. Yes. Still going with it. All right. People are disagreeing. People are disagreeing. This is good. This is good. We need this. We need stuff like this, guys, where we're on different pages because I like it when we have two great things and we can't decide. That just makes the content better. It makes what we're seeing just so much better. So I'm good with everybody disagreeing, agreeing. I don't care. I'm just happy we got both of these matches. And now I kind of feel like watching them back to back. But hey, um, all right. So this was really just um, good stuff, guys. And um Really good stuff here. And I'm really liking how I'm really liking, you know what I like about this Brian Danielson MJF storyline is that other people that aren't technically even part of the storyline that aren't the main focus of the storyline are getting over with the story. Rush got over tonight to another extent. Uh, Takeshita got over tonight to another extent. Other people are benefiting from the story between Danielson and MJF. Let that sink in for a little bit. That's actually pretty freaking great if you think about it. That doesn't always happen. So that's really good. Um, okay, let's move on because we still got a couple more things to get to. But uh, let's get into the um, Samoa Joe's uh, quick promo. Not too much to touch on here, but he does a quick uh, promo where he says that, you know, 
keep in mind he's champion once again he's tnt champion ring of honor tv champion and he uh defeated darby allen retained the title last week and was a phenomenal match as well and we had the return of Wardlow, as you guys recall and if you remember we had clearly Samoa Joe shaving the head of Wardlow he takes his title away and he's talking about this during this promo where he says um he first off tells Darby Allen that he was a worthy and a brave adversary 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 but that he doesn't feel the same way about Wardlow so he wants to take everything from Wardlow which he pretty much already did so then he says I'm going to expose you and I'm going to take everything from it. I'm like, what is there left to take from Wardlow? He took his hair. He took his belt. I don't know what's left to take from Wardlow, (laughs) but he's planning on exposing them. That's what he says he's going to do. And I'm still, I said this last week and I'll say it again for those of you who weren't here. I'm not, I'm not ready to see Wardlow as TNT champion again because I did not like his reign as TNT champion. I thought they kind of dropped the ball with him there. Um, I mentioned they don't drop the ball very often, but that one, I do think they dropped the ball. With that being said, as long as they do something different with Wardlow, I'm here for him being champion, but I want to see something different. I don't want to see the same exact match over and over again. I want to see different stuff, man, with Wardlow. And so I hope they do that because it's clear he's going to get his title back from Samoa Joe. That makes sense. But my, honestly, I wouldn't mind if he didn't. I wouldn't mind if Samoa Joe beat him again. But then again, it's like, damn, poor Wardlow. You got to give him something, right? Like, we love Wardlow. Keep in mind, I'm a Wardlow fan. I just don't want to see the same thing that we got from him with his TNT championship reign. I want to see something different um, because that stuff just wasn't hitting for me. It wasn't hitting. And so um, I do hope that if he does get the TNT championship, that they finally give him a reign that, it's going to just boost him on the show and not make him feel like not make him feel like an afterthought. And so that's where I'm at with this. But I also wouldn't be pissed off if they just had Samoa Joe just literally kill him and kill everybody in his path. I'm cool with that too. Cool with that too. All right, let's see what else we're seeing here. Um, this is from Yodan who says Samoa Joe is going to do the same thing he did to AJ Styles. Actually makes Wardlow a great person. We'll see. Um, all right, so let's get into um Sino Hour wants to know if maybe we'll see a cage match for Joe and Ward, though, a death match, perhaps. I don't know, but they gotta do something. I mean, this feud has gotten a lot more personal. He took the man's hair for God's sakes. He took the man's hair. This is personal. You don't just chop off someone's hair or cut off someone's hair and not be getting revenge. This is serious, man. He messed with his man bun. How dare you? All right. Moving on from this, we got Jamie Hayter versus the Bunny in a world title eliminator match. Um, And as people said, or people addressed early, because this was a pretty good match that we got here. For the most part, it was a pretty good match. Uh, The start started off really good. We saw Jamie take, um, hit her with multiple like shoulder takedowns. That was pretty good. I like that. Bunny was uh, choking her uh, with her legs as she was placed over the ropes that was a really good moment for her too it looks pretty cool we see bunny uh suplexing jamie on the outside um and when she does that her jamie's leg hits the steel steps we then go into um a commercial break we come back from commercial break and it kind of looks like things just didn't 
necessarily click very well. Um, and finally, Jamie ends up hitting Alaria and they get to the they get to the finish right away. So the finish necessarily didn't um it didn't it, it didn't look right. It didn't look right at all. So you kind of figured maybe there was something wrong there. Um I haven't heard, I haven't seen anybody say anything about this in terms of whether or not, you know, if something's wrong or something, I haven't seen anything like that, but hopefully I just didn't miss it. Um, But other than that, man, Jamie Hayter getting this match against the bunny, you know, I'm a fan of the bunny and I do want to see the bunny, you know, go out there and have these matches because she's good. She's enjoyable to watch in the ring. Uh, I've always been a fan of the bunny, even prior to her AEW days. So that's kind of where um, I'm at for that. Um, and then afterwards we did get a little bit more here with, uh, Tony storm and Soraya and all of that. So let's just get to this really quick. Uh, Renee Paquette, Rep- Renee Paquette is backstage with Tony Storm and Soraya, and uh, they call Jamie Hayter a loser. And then uh, Leva Bates, Leva Bates, Leva, 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 Leva. I'm not saying that right. Um, she comes out. It's been a while. I haven't watched Dark or Dark Elevations in a while. But um, so she comes out, and they're really mean to her. They're so mean. They're like, your name starts with an L, so you're a loser. So they take her out, and they paint the little loser, uh, the little owl on her abdomen and uh, that's pretty much it guys and afterwards we do have uh Soraya saying in the camera that they're um that they're pretty much there to they're pretty much there to take over is what she says and they're not there to make friends I did like that I did like that part where she looks in the camera and she says we're not here to make fun we're not here to make friends baby girl we're here to take over I'm seeing Soraya look a lot more confident in this role as a heel she seems a lot more confident than she did uh early on so I'm happy to see this change um right now with her and Tony Storm Tony Storm um, kind of, she doesn't feel as strong as a heel right now as Soraya. I do see Soraya as a lot stronger in this uh, duel here. Soraya to me is kind of the one that is feels just a lot more like a heel. I would like to see a little bit more from Tony Storm on that end of things. But then again, we're just continuing on with this whole thing between um, the AEW homegrown talent and the you know former WWE talent that came into AEW. So this is just continuing on to progress that story. And I wonder when Renee's going to finally turn on Soraya or not not turn on Soraya, but maybe realize that Soraya and her are not friends anymore. Because if you guys recall, when Soraya came into AEW, she was doing all her interviews with Renee, and they were besties and this and that. And, um, you know, they were having a, you know, a great time. So I wonder when Renee's going to be like, you know what? What's going on with you, Soraya? She should she should say something to her. You know, like, I know you. You're not this person or something along those lines. Uh, I think it would make sense to have Renee be like, what is going on with you? Why are you acting different? Um, that would be something fun. And I would like to see a little interaction there where maybe Soraya is like mean to Renee and it just continues to further her as a heel. But who knows? Who knows? Well, we'll see with that. Um, all right, so... Um, let's go ahead and get into this next part of the show. We got two more things to talk about, and then that's pretty much it for today. So um, the only part of the show that besides the stuff that happened with the guns uh, that I did not really like, this was the uh, Garcia Guevara gauntlet. This kind of was a stinker of the, sh- of the night, which really bums me out because I'm such a big fan of Ricky Starks, and I was very excited for everything that he was going to be doing with the Jericho Appreciation Society, primarily with Jericho. 
when I say Jericho Appreciation Society, I really mean Jericho. Um, this was not good. Unfortunately, this was something that already people didn't care about. And then they kind of just proved us that we shouldn't care about it. And so really quickly, so he had to get through Angela Parker and Matt Menard in order to get to either Daniel Garcia or Sammy Guevara. And then once that happened, then he would go on to face Chris Jericho. So Ricky Starks quickly defeated Angela Parker, like very fast. He quickly defeated Matt Menard, very fast, good. Um, and then they did Daniel Garcia and Ricky Starks. This wasn't half bad until the finish of this. So they had a pretty nice little uh, exchange. Really the best part of this match was they when they were on the apron and they were fighting back and forth with some forearms and whatnot. That was good. But Ricky Starks essentially ends up on the outside. And this is when he is... Um, He's basically hit with the Judas effect from a masked fan in the crowd. And this was so hokey. This was so hokey because everyone, everyone and their mothers knew that this was Jericho. And so commentaries playing dumb, like, oh, I don't know who this is, this and that. Oh, it was so lame. It was so lame. So it's Jericho. He's wearing a scissor me daddy ass t-shirt. He's He has a mask on and this and that. And he even has a little foam finger. He's supposed to be a fan and this and that. Um, but then it's revealed that it's Chris Jericho. And oh my God, we were all so shocked. Absolutely nobody was shocked. Um, <laughs> this was so bad. This was so cringe. Um, whatever. So Daniel Garcia defeats Ricky Starks. My assumption here is that we're probably going to do Sammy Jericho versus Action Andretti and Ricky Starks for Revolution, which is pretty much what we had kind of already predicted early on. So there really isn't any like, breaking updates regarding this feud unfortunately there's been more see because I was excited about Ricky Starks feuding with Chris Jericho I love the idea of him getting the Jericho rub I'm here for that and I still am here for that portion of it but so far everything else that has occurred between the Jericho Appreciation Society and Ricky Starks hasn't been great there's been more um more owls taken here than W's in terms of we haven't had very many good moments. It's 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 been less good moments. So, man, that's where we're at, guys. That's where we're at with all of this. All right. So, um, yeah, I don't see anybody here saying anything great about this one, unfortunately. Man, and that bums me out, guys, because Ricky Starks and MJF, when they were doing their little feud together, he was MJF's first challenger um, after MJF won the AEW World Championship. And uh, that back and forth promo, we've talked about it here so many times. It was really great. The match between him and MJF was pretty damn good, too. And it sucks. It sucks that all of this Jericho Appreciation Society stuff hasn't been hitting. Um, but I do think that whatever they decide to do for revolution will be good, but it's just the journey to revolution so far has not been hitting the mark. Reggie Simmons. Thank you so much. Reggie Simmons is back. What's up, Reggie? He sends in a super chat saying once again, dynamite was dynamite. I like it when every once in a while we don't get a happy ending. Keep up the awesome work. <laughs> Reggie, you're the only person here so far that has been okay with the sad and I don't want to say sad ending. Sad ending sounds too dramatic. Um, with an ending that people did not love, okay? Um, so there, you know what? I'm happy somebody here maybe felt differently about it because for the most part, everybody was like, nah, this ain't it, man. This ain't it. But then, I don't know. I guess you can't have happy endings all the time, right? Life is life. 
We don't have happy endings all the time. Uh, Grapple Geekery sends in a super chat saying, it certainly felt like a WWE style sports entertainment dump in the middle of the AEW punch bowl. What a waste of time and talent, says Grapple Geekery. Look, I get it, man. I get it. I'm not going to lie. It did cross my mind to this exact same thing where I'm, it did feel like a WWE ending where the crowd's just feeling sad. I get it because I've seen it and I've sat through it. But man, but again, we don't get this very often, okay? We don't get this very often in AEW. So I, as somebody mentioned earlier, this was really what they felt was, I guess, the best way to keep the story progressing until they get to AEW Revolution. So what's done is done, my friends. What's done is done. Uh, thank you so much to Grapple Geekery for sending this in as well. All right. And um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Matt Kensley says, I agree that sometimes we need a sad ending. The guns winning the titles is too sad of an ending for me, though. <laughs> I love that, actually. All right. Um, last but not least, we got a phenomenal match between Top Flight and AR Fox against the elite for the AEW World Trios Championship match. And uh, thank you to Grapple Geekery for talking about the Jericho Appreciation Society. Did I read that wrong? No, I read that right. Uh, and I know you're talking about the Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, thank you to Grapple Geekery for uh, clarifying, though. Okay, so um, Top Flight and AR Fox versus the Elite for the Trios Championship. What can I say? You knew this match was going to be what it was. You knew you were going to get a shitload of action here, man. You knew you were going to get this really great back and forth between these guys. Just a bunch of fast-paced, entertaining um, stuff. And that is exactly what we got here. Although I do want to take a second to highlight... Um, there were some good moments. I'm not going to highlight everything because Lord knows I cannot keep up with these guys. Um, but some of my favorite moments that we did see here was three times we did see AR Fox, you know, do his thing over the top rope. That was really great to see. Um, AR Fox doing the senton to Kenny. That was another really great moment. I love that they had us from Dante to Matt Jackson. That was another great moment. Um, when Matt nearly pinned all three guys, that was a really cool visual. The um, Darius's DDT on Matt Jackson was another good one. Um, we saw some great, great teamwork from Top Flight and AR Fox and a bunch of super kicks and this and that. It really was a super kick party for sure. Uh, the gut wrench from Kenny to AR Fox. Um, the exchanges we got between the stuff that I wanted to highlight earlier, though, I forgot to mention, was AR Fox because the work that he did here, these was great. But the little exchange that he had with Kenny Omega was probably to me what kind of stood out the most to me from this match. And because we know what we, we to expect from the Young Bucks and Kenny, and we know what to expect from Top Flight. But AR Fox, we you know we've seen him a couple of times now in AEW and he's done so well. And that's why he got signed and he's a great talent. But um He's still, you know, new to the AEW audience. He's still not, he's still not as familiar as even Top Flight is. And so to get him to see him go out there and how crisp and how clean everything he did with um, Kenny Omega was, that was very enjoyable to watch, man. Um, that was really enjoyable. So I really like that. But um, we see the V trigger from Kenny to AR Fox at one point, And you think he's going to go for the, he's going, so Kenny tries to go for the one winged angel, but instead, 
said, AR Fox counters that. When he countered that, oh man, I thought, I thought for a second, oh my God, we're gonna get an upset finish. And I I fell for that spot. I fell for that moment. Um, but he didn't, although it looked pretty freaking cool. Finally, Kenny Lux gets in the crucifix and gets the win. And he they, the way that they did it, the way that the finish came about, it was almost like the elite just survived this. Like they just made it out with a victory. And so that made the Young Bucks and I'm sorry, that made um, Top Flight and AR Fox look even better because it didn't feel like a dominant victory. It felt like they just made it by the skin of the te their, their teeth. They just made it. They just retained their titles. It didn't feel like a dominant victory whatsoever. And so I kind of thought that definitely benefited Top Flight and AR Fox, man, because Top Flight has really been on a roll here with everything that they've been doing. So what can I say, man? This was good stuff. This was the match that I was expecting them to have. And it was my uh, third favorite match of the night. My first, of course, was Danielson Rouge. Then it was MJF Takeshita. And then it was Top Flight, AR Fox, and the Elite on um, Best Stuff of the night um so there you go guys that was AEW dynamite from february 8th we are a couple weeks away now from AEW revolution i will be at AEW revolution since that will be in san francisco and i'm really excited for it i'm looking forward to the show uh i feel like it's going to be a night full of action but i will say this just to kind of close this off you know we're barely a month, not even a month and a half into this new year, but I do feel that the last two weeks in particular for AEW Dynamite, the uh, quality of work that we have been getting, especially the amount, because sometimes, you know, we've had pretty great Dynamites and whatnot, but there's always like one match that I feel is just so much more stellar than another one. But this time, the last two weeks, we've been having more than one option in terms of really great matches. And so that's something that's definitely been sticking out to me, especially the last two weeks. So there you guys go. That was AEW. I seriously, seriously, thank you guys so, so much for tuning in each and every single week. Without you guys, I would not be able to do this show whatsoever. Also, if you haven't already, please make sure to go on over to youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. That's my YouTube channel. And I officially surpassed 89,000 subscribers. In fact, I am about 600. Hold on, hold on. I'm about 550 subscribers away from hitting 90,000, 90,000 YouTube subscribers. I'm only, I'm very, very close guys. So if you haven't already head on over there, I have tons of Royal Rumble videos that I did. Um, so many interviews with Seth Rollins with Dominic Mysterio with Liv Morgan with Bianca Belair with Austin Theory. Um, so many people check those out. I posted a Royal Rumble vlog as well. Um, um, I did an interview with PCO and John Hennigan. I just posted those two interviews up. They're up there right now. Uh, so head on over there if you get the chance. It would really mean a lot to me. But other than that, I will see you guys back here this Friday to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. Um, thank you guys so much, everyone.